Greetings and welcome to episode number 29 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. David Twork here with you as always. And uh, on this episode, I'm going to be joined by uh, my colleague at Local 10 and uh, can I say a self-proclaimed hockey expert as well, Ian Margle, former goaltender. Welcome to the show once again, my friend. Always a blast. Thank you for having me. So I want to dive right in and get into, there's a lot going on right now, and that's why I wanted to, to put a pod together this week. Uh, the Panthers, they've been busy in the offseason. They've made signings. They made a, a rather big signing this week that we will touch on. But first, uh, the big news is that hockey is officially coming back. And uh, I, I know that you're as excited as I am. It's, it's great. We finally get official word, 56-game season starting January 13th, which is less than a month from now. It's like three weeks away. Like, How right. much fun are we about to have? That's what I was going to say. We're, we're like three weeks away. It's so weird because of how late the season ended and then to have such a short offseason. But it felt it, it. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. It, you must. I'm sure you agree. It feels like we haven't had hockey in so long. And I'm so excited to see these guys get back on the ice, even though it has been a crazy short offseason. Uh, yeah. It does feel like it's been a while. And I mean, you think back particularly not just to the end of the playoffs, but to when the Panthers got done. You know, they were done, I, I want to say mid-September, whenever whenever that happened. So it's it hasn't been that long when you think, well, football season has been going on the whole time. But it does feel like it's been a while. And maybe it's because we're so used to watching hockey at this time of year, you know, October, November into the holidays. Right. Um, but I mean, either way, I'm, I'm just glad that they're going to get it going. And then we're going to basically get hockey straight through, you know, June, July. And, uh, and then football training camp will start again. And then it's just going to be like a, a nonstop sports rotunda for the next like 18 months. And I couldn't be happier about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, we're not getting 80 plus games, but we're getting, I'm, I'm thrilled to be getting as many as, you know, I'm thrilled to be seeing 50 plus and that's, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm excited for the Panthers team too. I think that the changes they made, I think will be obvious. I think there are some guys that, that are, uh, looking for a, a that needed a new a change of scenery, if you will, and I, I think that this will be a really interesting Panther season to watch because I think, and you've touched on this before in a lot of your writing, I think we're going to finally see a an identity that they stick with and grow on. I think that'll be really cool to watch. Well, it certainly appears that's what GM Bill Zito is trying to build is like, uh, you know, you hear about in South Florida all the time about the culture, heat culture, and and how it's kind of you know, branding out or, or washing out towards, you know, a little bit more towards the Marlins. Now they've got something sure. brewing. Uh, you talk about the Miami Dolphins and what they've been putting together with Brian Flores and Chris Greer and this amazing camaraderie that they've built with that team. And, and it just makes you think, okay, well, the Panthers should be next. And Bill Zito, to his credit, he came in, he stepped right into the office and got to work bringing in all these two-way players with grit. They're known as responsible guys, which we know we need in our own end. Uh, after what happened last year and the way that he's been able to do it, he's kind of eliminated. He gets rid of Mike Matheson and that contract, which we've touched on many times, uh, which, you know, is say nothing else. It certainly opened up a lot of eyes and got the attention of not just people within the Panthers locker room, but across the league. And, and from that point on, you bring in a Patrick Hornquist, you bring in a Radko Gudas, who I, I've hated him <laughs> playing against him for years in Tampa right. and in Philly. But I, I got to tell you sitting in this room, when they signed him, I was, I jumped for joy almost. Like I was so happy. It's like, this is a perfect signing. Like the Panthers have had such a lack of, for lack of a better term, like balls in front of their, in front of their own net and in their <laughs> zone. Um, just no, no fighting, no rough stuff. And really not since uh, Erica Branson was gone. 
And so you love to see not just the Gudas, but the Henestroza, the Wenberg, the Nutravara. You bring in a lot of these guys, Ryan Lomberg, uh, that, that not only can add something across the board, but most importantly, aren't going to take anything away in your own end. When you invest $10 million in your goaltender, you expect results in that end of the ice. And Ian, I think you know, between the culture change and just the needed grit in that area, like we're going to, it, it, we have to see a difference, right? I think absolutely. And I think one thing that we shouldn't forget is, you know, they brought in all this talent and they brought in, and the word is grit, like you said, but let's not forget that they were able to figure out a way to re-sign Mackenzie Weger, who for a while looked like the hottest thing on, on the market and, you know, there were teams I would imagine chomping at the bit, waiting to see if the Panthers were going to figure out a deal. So you re-signed a legitimate first-line defenseman for this team, and then you bring in some some grit and some depth behind it. And I think that was really important uh, because, I mean, look, we'll call it like it is. Bob didn't have the season we were all expecting, but Bob also didn't have the defense in front of him that he's had for the years that he was in Columbus where he was putting up unbelievable numbers. I think putting in a Gudas, bringing in Radko Gudas, bringing in Nudavara, I think that just Nudavara, I think uh, is one of those guys that I mentioned needed a change of scenery. I think Nudavara can be better than he was. I mean, last year he was a healthy scratch for a significant point, but I think this is a guy that has a high ceiling. And obviously we know what Gudas brings. I, I just remember him. Uh, I remember him taking a cheap shot at someone, but it was McCann that stepped up to fight him. And and I mean, little McCann versus Radko Gudas. I think it lasted about 15 seconds before McCann was on the ground. But nonetheless, you know, it's one of those guys that you don't want to play against, but happy to have in your locker room for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about what the Panthers are going to have this year in terms of defensemen, and I'm just already kind of foreseeing the. The, the bitching and moaning that's going to occur between Keith Yandel, who I feel like there's a complete and total misunderstanding to what his value is and what right. he brings to the table and what is expected of him. I think he gets a lot of shit when he really shouldn't. Um, he does his job quite well, I feel like, to what they asked of him. Um, so between Yandel and then Gudas, who like you and I, we, we get why he's being brought to the table, but that is going, you have to assume that there's just going to be some frustrating moments where he does things that you're going to be like, ah, oh, why is he taking that penalty right now? Right. Why, why would you, you know, like those moments, but you have to understand, like, that's what you're getting when you sign these players. Like you're not just getting, you know, the, the best of the best of their moments because none of us are like that. Like you're going to get the full Monty. And as you sure. hear my cat tripping me in the background, um, <laughs> you're going like with Dudas, like you've got to take the good with the bad. Right. And, and it's, you know, I, I think, uh, I, and I think there's a legitimate chance Yandel and Gudas play together um, at some point, because I think with Gudas, you get a little bit more of a hangback. I mean, he's certainly not a uh, tentative player, <laughs> but with Gudas, you're going to get a little bit more defensive than offensive. And with Yandel, you're obviously getting, a lot more offense than defense sometimes. And I think that's where people get frustrated with the handle, but, and, and I think that there we're certainly going, I mean, look, you said it right. We're going to hear some bitching because people are going to complain. Oh, what's he doing? What are they doing? I think you're going to see some Yandel and Gouda. So I think fans need to brace themselves for a few of those moments this year. But I also think we talked about culture, right? 
we talked about how honestly South Florida sports right now, if you look at the Dolphins, you look at the Marlins, now you look at the Panthers, they've got ownership and coaching and that are going the right direction, right? You look at the heat and you look who's at, who's up at the top, right? The guy making all the decisions and that goes down to coach Spo. That's great. So now you've got the guy making the decisions with the Marlins. You've got Jeter in them in the front office. And then, uh, and then Ang, who they just brought in, she's incredible. And then you've got them going down to the manager who's going to be making the right decisions and look what they're doing. So now you've got, you've got Zito coming in. Can he be that guy making the right decisions to go down to, you know, you've got the coach, right? The coach is in the question. So now you see if he, if he can make the right decisions to go down to the coach and you can get that culture thing. And I think Gudas is one of those guys that is a culture piece. He's going to instill, look, the defense, we might've had some skilled guys, Matheson for all anyone wants to complain. He was, very, very fast and had a lot of skill and had a lot of potential. It just wasn't clicking for some reason in the last couple of seasons. But I think Radko Gudas, I think this adds that edge that they were missing. There, that edge to clear guys out of the front of the net, the edge to make a guy think twice before parking himself in front of the net. And I think that culture needs to be needs to grow especially in that on that blue line well it does make sense when you talk about gudas at the at the head of that class and you think about another guy like patrick hornquest another culture yep. guy those are the guys who were signed longest term brought in by like zito traded for hornquest but he's still got uh three years on his deal i believe yep. uh, gudas was signed for three years he's the only guy that was given that term so clearly there's a message being sent like we know what we're getting here this is what we want like we want the skill but we want the intangibles. So it, I'm anxious to see how it all plays out on the ice, but certainly um, we haven't seen this sharp of a change since, I mean, I, I, you hate to bring it up, but since the year that uh, they went to, you know, they, they won the division and they went to the analytics and that was then when they got rid of good Branson and like, we don't need to rehash all that today. That's for, perhaps for another long podcast. We don't want to, we don't want to anger the, uh, the data boys. No, but, I mean, look, I think at the point that they've reached now is an understanding of the importance of integrating all aspects. It's analytics yes. and it's also, you know, old time feel and grit. And now you're starting to see those ideas being married. And I think Bill Zito is a perfect guy to bring in because he's such an open-minded hockey guy. Like he loves the game. He played the game, but he's also, you know, he knows it from the player side and from the team side. And he's certainly not been... Um, not been adverse to learning about the analytical edge as well, which he's discussed. So it's just the open-mindedness I feel like maybe had been missing and, and we're starting to see a little bit more fruits of that, of that labor right now. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about with uh, the rosters that, that were announced, so let's say they're going to be 23 man rosters plus a four to six player taxi squad, which is what they did in baseball. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by that because you think about guys that maybe would have been on the fringe of call-ups, not call-ups, uh, outside of that roster. And now they're going to get to stay with the NHL team uh, throughout the season. I said, I don't think they're going to be traveling, but they'll be practicing right. with the team when they're home, they'll be working with them all the time with the coaches uh, and have that NHL advantage as opposed to the AHL. So you think about guys like Itu Usterainen, Yuho right. Emiko, yeah, Brady Keeper, Chase Christie, yep. um, and, and possibly Riley Stillman, depending on uh, how the uh, the defense shakes out. Uh, just because you talk about the additions of Gudas and Nutravara. So um, I'm, I'm really excited. I think that it, it could maybe help 
uh, along the progress and the progression of some of these uh, these younger players, uh, help them develop a little bit quicker, perhaps being with not just NHL players, but with also NHL coaches? No, I think I absolutely agree with you. And I think uh, one of the other things we need to point out is, is goaltender, right? We had, we, and, and you and I can certainly talk goaltenders as, as forever, but, you know, we mentioned forward a couple you know, forwards and a couple of D-men. I think that this could be big for Sam Montembo and possibly even Philip Desrosier as well, because I mean, look, I, I think that we, I mean, look, Bob's going to be your number one guy. That's, that's, there's no question about that. Then you're based on how he played last year. It's tough to say that Chris Drieger is not going to be number two, right? Sure. Sam Montembo and they're going to, they're going to say it's an open competition, but Chris Drieger. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to go that far to be honest. I think it's Drieger's job. I think it's Drieger's job. I think it's Drieger's job to lose, right? Because Drieger's been playing. Drieger played great. Yeah. So, but look at Sam Montembeau, and I think everyone was a little surprised at how he played last season. And I think him, and again, as I said, even Des Rochier, I think these guys can, you know, look. You don't you don't want them to have to, right? Because that means someone is is either in contact or sick. But I think that these guys will benefit from getting that coaching and you know we can touch on also in a minute the new the the goalie development that the panthers are, are spearheading um but that's a totally i guess different topic but i think that this exactly like you said gives some of those guys that are kind of fringe same thing as you at the first name guy that popped in my head was itu lustrein and um yeah. a guy that spends a lot of time in the hl has gotten a couple chances in the nhl but kind of just seems like that fringe I think this will be a really this this season's going to be interesting in general, and I think that this could be a really cool opportunity for a lot of, especially younger guys. So uh, a guy that's maybe not so young, uh, and that will certainly be on the roster. Uh, the Panthers just signed twenty-five-year-old uh, Anthony Duclair, and uh, we we really should talk about what a bargain, if nothing else. Yeah. We get one point seven million for a guy that. I mean, you have to expect that he's going to be in the 20 goal, 40 to 50 point range. If not, maybe take a step forward, depending on, on uh, where he slots into this lineup, which we'll get into in a second, but overall, just, uh, you've got to love this deal. Am I right? Oh, I, I absolutely love it. And look, we're, you know, someone may hear us say that and go, well, they're only playing 50 some odd games last season with Ottawa. So remember who he's playing with, right? Yeah. He had 40 points in just 66 games. So you have to imagine he slots into the top two lines. You have to assume he's a top six guy. Yes. If he's not, point. then yeah, that's, that would probably be an issue. Not so much for 1.7 million, but overall exactly. with the, the skill that he has, he should be a top six guy. He automatically, I mean, look, he's a natural left winger and obviously you've got Hubie on the first, that left wing on the first line, but these guys can really play either side. Let's be honest. So, I mean, you know, the question is, what is Tippett, what a Tippett and Sarala and Hornfist, like where, what, what happens there in, in training camp. But I think Duclair auto, easily slides into a top six role. I think he brings, I mean, look, he brings a scoring touch that is gorgeous. I think that the deal is, I think it's a little bit of a show me deal, right? A, Absolutely. I think it's a show us you can do this and you can continue producing at the level we think you can. And then we see what happens come the trade deadline, come the end of this season. Um, I love it. I loved the, I love the signing. I think that it was a really, really nice move by Zito. And I mean, gotta love the, the money too. It's just, that's just yeah. 
that's nothing for a guy of that caliber. Yeah, and he's in it's an RFA deal, so the Panthers will have control, you know, once the yep. year's over if they want to keep him around. Um and, and the knock on Duclair has been two things. Uh his inconsistency, which I mean we saw was pretty apparent last year. I think um I think he scored 14 of his 23 goals in a 17 game span uh in November and December, if I remember what I was re- what I was researching um when they signed him. And and then he also uh he scored like two goals over the last like month and a half. So very streaky guy. And, and that that's followed him throughout his career um, uh, playing with different line mates. And especially you think about last year in Ottawa, um, it certainly would play into it to a certain extent, but um, the inconsistency will be something that we'll, we'll obviously be paying attention because you can't have that kind of streakiness if you're trying to carry it, you know, on a top line. Um, yep. And then also he's, he's kind of been um, not the best two-way guy. You know, not not so much as, as the backtracking defensive player, but, and this is what I've kind of been thinking about since they signed him. He said when when uh, Duclair spoke to us over the weekend, he said that he had been speaking to Bill Zito since basically the first day of of uh, free agency, and that they'd spoken multiple times, and they had talks not just about hockey but about life, about him as a person, sure. and uh, and that he felt really comfortable that signing with Florida was the best place for him to take the next step. So. Here's what I'm thinking that all means. A, he's got a really clear idea of what Bill Zito's expectations would be for him and for this team at this point. So he should know whether they ask him to play more two-way hockey, if that's something that he's comfortable with really trying to spearhead and improve on. So that's one thing that I think will be uh, to keep an eye on in terms of you know the kind of player he is in his own end. But I also think him choosing to sign with Florida for such a small amount of money comparatively, I, like, I would assume that he got at least better one year deal offers elsewhere sure. um, is that he feels he can get those top line minutes or top six minutes, top power play unit minutes, the, the power play, the top power play. I think he slides right into Mike Hoffman's spot. Duclair, he's scored a lot of goals from the right side, even though he's a left-handed shot. Like you mentioned it before, he can play either either side of the of the ice, and he's scored a lot of goals. He's done that one time shot from the right side with the left hand, just like Mike Hoffman excelled at on the Panthers' power play. So I think it's a natural fit there for him to slide into that spot. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of places for him to fit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Sorry, I mean, I mean talk over you, but I, I totally agree with you. Um, and and here's the other thing: it's not like Zito doesn't know this guy, right? Duclair was playing in Columbus, not last season, but the season before. And, yeah, Zito and was part of the Columbus, team that signed him. Right. Columbus sent him back, you know, Columbus sent him to Ottawa. Nonetheless, it's not like Z, it's not like Zito doesn't know this guy and doesn't know that he's a little bit streaky, that he has some trouble playing two ways. But I think he also is now playing for Q. I think he all and and Q is going to push that possession game. And he's going to yes. I mean, look. If you're not playing, if you're not playing two-way hockey, if you're not getting back on defense, you're not going to play. Q, Q doesn't, Q's not scared of shuffling lines. We know that. Q's not scared of putting. Mark Pissick right wing for 50 games. Sorry? No, he's not afraid to put a defenseman, Mark Pissick, at, at wing for 40, 50 games, you know? He's, he's not scared of putting a fourth-line guy at first-line right wing. He, we know that Q is not scared of putting anyone anywhere. Yeah. So if you're not playing how they want you to play, you're not going to play. So I, I'm not too concerned about the the two-way play. I am, you know, there there are concerns about the consistency, but I think that putting him on on a line with 
maybe like a, an Alex, you know, a Wenberg in at center. I think that's two guys who played together in Columbus who have a lot of talent. Look, Wenberg was a, is a former first round pick who this is his seventh season. I think it is. And has a lot of potential. I think needed one of those guys that needs to change the scenery. I think putting those two together could be a really, really good line. Maybe you put a horn fist there. Maybe you put a, a Sarala, maybe you put a tippet. I'm not really sure, but I think that could be really exciting. And I think if you put a horn fist on the other side of him, you have someone that is going to be that leader. That's not going to let you get away with staying in the, staying in the offensive zone or being lazy, getting back. Yeah, there's going to be veterans that he's going to be surrounded by to help him. I mean, obviously, Barkov and Huberto, they're both veterans at this point of their right. careers. Uh, Hornquest, Brett Connolly, uh, Noah Chari, like guys that have been around the block, guys that can really help pick you up when you're down. Um, it, it's a good fit. And, and bringing in a guy like Duclair, um, maybe to mask some of those deficiencies a little more when you've brought in so many other great two-way guys uh, th- that you're adding to your forward ranks. So I don't know, man, I, I think we're both just at the point now where like, we're like ready to, to get these guys on the ice and it's not going to be that long. I mean, today, today's uh, what December 22nd, we're recording this. So training camp is less than two weeks away now on uh, January 3rd. It's, it's quite exciting. Um, you know who I'm, I'm excited to see. And I want to just really, really briefly talk about is Carter Verhage. It it's too much pressure to put on someone to say, could they be the next Jonathan Marcia? So signing where we steal someone from Tampa steal they didn't they didn't offer him but nonetheless where we grab someone from tampa who tampa just can't afford and has been buried on their depth chart just simply because they're too good up top right it's not that carter verhage wasn't deserving of more minutes it's just that carter verhage was behind some of the best players we've ever seen some of the best lineups we've ever seen stan price kucherov braden point they're they're stacked it's just ridiculous so I'm excited to see what Carter for I mean, look, Carter for he's, he's young, but he's, he's 25. He's not, he's not a kid either. So this is someone that is right in their prime. And could they be someone where you can unlock that next level? Like they did with Jonathan Marshall. So who is now obviously a first, second line guy causing terror over in Vegas. Yeah. So look, I'm not putting that pressure on him. Not that he's, going to care what I say, but I think Carter Verhage could be the diamond of this group that was brought in. And that's saying something because, I mean, look, we're looking at Vinny Henestrosa, who's freaking fast as lightning, and you're looking at guys like Hornqvist, who's going to bring in that leadership. But I think Verhage is that is that diamond of this group that they brought in that that could bring a lot to this team. Yeah. And I mean, you can't argue against like that. The, the obvious similarities make you, you know, it's not like <laughs> you're saying he's going to be the next Marshall. I mean, you know, buried on the, on the Tampa roster, can't afford him. Florida snags him for cheap, a guy that, you know, plenty of upside. I mean, for Haiti, perhaps even more so than Marshall. So when he signed, because for Haiti, two years removed from leading the entire AHL and scoring. Now he, you add Stanley cup pedigree to that, where he's been on a playoff run. He knows what it takes. He's been in that dressing room. So yeah, like just a total winning move by Bill Zito yeah. to bring in Carter Verhage. And yes, it's interesting when you think about whether it's Duclair or Verhage or Hornquest, there's so many options. You don't know what you're going to see with Owen Tipp and Grigori Denisenko when training camp starts, 
but there's so many. Him. <laughs> that's that's Dennis I'm Tom Singer talking about Tippett and Sorrow. I mean, Dennis, what? Outside like, of South Florida, Denisenko is the basically the only one people talk about. I feel like Panther fans talk about Tippett a little bit more because he's been around. He's right. been with Springfield. Like you've seen him. Denisenko, you know, he's been playing with Loco in the KHL for the last, you know, two, three years since he's been drafted. Um, buried essentially on those teams. Like he, when he first went to Loco uh, and Craig McTavish, the former NHL uh, Stanley Cup winner was the coach. Uh, Dennis Hinko was supposed to be getting top six minutes, power play minutes. And the story goes, he went off to play world juniors. Uh, I think that would have been 2018 and kind of lost his spot in line with the team, never got it back. And I, I've gone through the lineups for locomotive for two seasons to see exactly where he lined up because the KHL is really cool. They put out the, the, the line makeups for every game so you can go through it and sure. I think like I have it written down in my notebook, but like 90 over 90% of the time he was playing third or fourth line. He was not seeing power play time. And so you see like low numbers. It's not that surprising. And I'm, I don't know what to expect when he comes to join the NHL. If he gets minutes with, you know, top six players, like I, I'm very, very curious to learn between Dennis Anko and Tippett, just like where they fit in when training camp starts. And it's only going to be a 10 day training camp, Ian. So that's only like what, seven practices maybe. Um, so <laughs> this season is going to be a big learning curve, but um, there's so much getting back to my original point. There's just so many of these guys that potentially could be top line guys. We right. don't know yet, but the, potentially it's there. Well, and then Dennis Anko could be one of those guys that really benefits from the, the taxi group, right? The, the group that is, and, and look, we may need, this may be totally a moot point because he may show up and just blow everybody away and end up starting on the, on the first or second line. Right. But yeah. that could be, but that doesn't always happen when someone's coming over from another league and coming to the top league in the world. Right. It just, it doesn't always happen that you come in and you just dominate. He could be of one of those course. guys that could benefit. So he's not buried on a third and fourth line because I don't think that's where that kind of guy, that where that kind of player thrives. No, well, I, I like I said, I think training camp will be somewhat indicative. I remember when, you know, when it was uh, over the summer when they were getting ready for the bubble, um, they did a lot of scrimmaging, uh, a lot of game situation. You wonder how different it's going to be this time because when they got ready for the bubble, everybody was coming off basically like a three month quarantine where nobody was in shape and guys were, you know, some guys had different levels of rust than others. This time around, everybody's been training, whether it's guys locally, guys at their hometowns, guys abroad, like Barky uh, was training in Finland for a while. He just got back. Um, everybody's ready to hit the ground running. Like they knew like, okay, the season's coming. There's not the unknown of a, of a pandemic going on. So I think it's not going to be as much like getting rust off as it's going to be, as we've been saying, where are these guys going to fit? And with, when it comes to the, the rookies, particularly Tippett, Denisenko, um, and even to a lesser extent, uh, Lusterinen. And I'm curious to see what you go, you brings to the table after a year overseas as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of eyebrow raising, I think with Florida's prospect pool, which is great to say. Like it's, it's in a really good spot for the first time in how long. I mean, I think that, you know, and, and Borgstrom is, is uh, 
mystery that we may never solve. Uh, we but- haven't even mentioned Bordstrom. And I'll, I'll, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if he ends up signing um, his RFA this year. I, I, I would be more expecting to see him stay in Liga for the full season and, and just kind of like get that under his belt there, hopefully build up his confidence. I'm not, this is just my opinion. You know, I have, you know, I've, I've spoken to sources and I've kind of heard this and that, but just my take is that I'll be surprised if he signs RFA. Sarala, I think will sign and come over. Um, but Bordstrom, I think maybe uh, a year over there may help him and the Panthers will still own his rights. So it's not like you're losing the player if you don't sign him this year. And I think, I mean, look that, I mean, I don't want to get too off topic here, but I think with Borgstrom, there was so much expectation, almost like what's what Tippett is walking into or skating into yeah. this season, right? And what Anton Lindell is going to be skating into based on the success he's having in Liga, just like Correct. the success that Borgstrom had when he was at Denver. Exactly. And so back to the original point is, I'm not sure, I can't think of a time when I felt this comfortable with the prospect pool for, yes. for the Panthers, I think great. it's a great way um, to put it. I think there's still some depth they could add on the blue line. I think there's always depth they could add on the blue line. But you know what? We're I mean, you look at we talked about Stillman Keeper, Prisky. Those guys are all fringe, probably Stillman a little bit further along than the others, just simply because of NHL experience. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is the first time in a long time that I feel comfortable and yeah, not well, a little bit beyond those guys. We've got like Ludwig is down there. Yep. Um, uh, who was drafted, I believe last year is down there as well. So there's some, but I mean, I you talk about like Ludwig does add, does Ludwig is, is good. Ludwig yeah. is very so. And then obviously the, the big, the, the, you're talking about the diamond, the gem, the the shining ruby amulet of the Panthers uh, prospect pool has got to be who makes you and I super duper happy, which is the goaltender Spencer Knight. Spencer um, Knight. Oh man, I'm I'm so excited to see this kid play. I I love watch. I, their BC has been streaming some of their games this year, so I've actually seen him uh, a few times already this season. And I mean, just as a goaltender, like stability. He's so clean, but like the what really blows me away Ian, is how powerful he is and yet controlled. He can get a push with his legs from one side of the crease to the other so fast and yet stop on a dime and stay in his spot and make sure he's squared up to the puck. And to see that kind of control for somebody that young who hasn't really been tapped into like NHL coaching and, you know, his body's still growing to see him have that kind of a control over himself and in his game, like, I just feel like the sky is the limit. I totally agree with you. And and I actually, um, you had obviously already seen it, but I sent you a video, these these mic'd up videos they do with him. And they oh, yeah. do it because he's hilarious, right? He's Super funny. confident. That's exactly what I was going to say. He chirps all these guys. It's funny. That's why they keep him on. But the confidence this kid has yeah. is off the charts. And it's not undeserved either right it it's is, not in a cocky way either like it's just like oh this guy's doing glove oh see told you and he knows what he's going to do and then when he if he misses something i love that they that they watch him correct himself and then you hear him go oh that's it that's it and he just he's technically so much further along than a freshman in college should be yeah and 
we're going to get to see him play for Team USA again uh, coming up. He was just uh, later this week. What later this week? The tournament yeah. starts. I've never been more excited for a World Junior than I am this year. Maybe it's because there's no hockey going on, but I'm pumped. But I mean, we'll get to see that against you know international competition. I I think that I love I, look. I love Monty. I love Drieger. I love these guys in the system. Uh, there's the Panthers got something special with him, and uh, I'm looking forward to. I like watching him at BC. Uh, I give him, I'll give him another year, year or two at BC before I start itching for him to, uh, to start testing, dipping his, dipping his blade in the uh, NHL waters. No, we'll see. I mean, under normal circumstances, which we are not in, uh, you would have to think, you know, maybe two, two to three years at BC, and this is year two for him. Um, But yeah, there's so much unknown with, you know, what, what even is going to happen this year with an AHL, an American league next year. it wouldn't surprise me if, if everything totally goes back to normal next year and we're talking 2021-2022 season, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them say, okay, let's get Spencer to the AHL. Let's get him starting there. And, and again, you know, it all kind of plays down to, uh, they just signed Monsonbo to a one-year deal. Um, I don't know what the contract status off the top of my head of DeRosier is or Ryan Bednard guys down <clears throat> a little bit lower in the ranks, but you have to think like, they're going to clear it out for Spencer when they feel he's ready. Is that going to be after net, after this year? Does he want to stay in college for another year? These are questions I don't have the answers to, but I imagine we're going to learn them in the next six to eight months. Quick thing on Monty. I think this is another show me deal, right? Just the same thing, same kind of thing we said with Duclair. I think this is a, you know what? We, I think last year was a disappointment, uh, you know, coming off of being an AHL all-star, right? Yeah, to, yeah, definitely. Just seeing, just seeing, you know, not not his best performances up up in the NHL, and maybe it was unfair to expect uh, more. But I think that this is a this is a prove it yeah. for a prove it year for Monty. And look, I like I, I like the kid a lot, and I think he's got a lot of talent, so I hope he does. Um, he's flashed but, it. That's like with Duclair, it's similar problem, the inconsistency. Like with Monty, yep. he's. Like, I remember there's been a few games last year where he would go out and he would have like a horrible first period and then be lights out for the next 40 minutes. I, I you know, I think there was a Ranger game, uh, the Bruins comeback game. I don't know if he started that whole game. I know he closed it out for them when they came back from four goals down. Um, so, so yeah, definitely a prove it deal. It's just going to be curious how, where he's proving it. Is he just yep. going to prove it on a taxi squad? You have to assume throughout a 56 game season that, one of the goalies at some point is going to get banged up in some way, shape or form. It's just the inevitabilities, the inevitabilities of hockey. Um, So we'll see. I mean, the skill is there. I mean, he's a third round pick. He's, he was ascending. I think last year he hit a few bumps in the road, but that doesn't mean he suddenly stopped being good at hockey. Right. So we'll see how it goes. And the last thing now, before we, uh, before we sign off here that I wanted to uh, touch on is Florida's new division. The Panthers are in a new division this year. They're in, a central division. Um, so some familiar foes, some not so familiar foes, and I'll go down the list quickly. We've got Carolina Hurricanes, Columbus Blue Jackets, Detroit Red Wings, Chicago Blackhawks, Nashville Predators, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Dallas Stars. So right off the bat, you've got last year's two Stanley Cup finalists. Uh, Tampa, obviously, always a thorn in our side. Carolina, you know, Columbus and Detroit are Eastern Conference, somewhat familiar. I love the fact that we get to see Chicago and Nashville. Nashville is always a fun team. 
Um, sure. But what do you think about the division and who do you think outside Tampa is going to be like Florida's biggest rival out of that group? Uh, so let me, let me answer the second question first. And I think it's Columbus because I think they are teams that had been on very similar trajectories and then Columbus took a step that the Panthers didn't take. So I think that, I think Columbus is a step ahead of where Florida is right now, but I think they are similar teams and I'm going to say with similar build right now, but remember who's now building the Florida Panthers is Bill Zito who, yep. Columbus so well also all the similarities between you know players how many former Blue Jackets are on the Panthers roster right now well and and I mean look at who they signed right now right they just signed Weinberg and they just signed Nudavara and both guys from Columbus so they're I think that that was also new and was and and, right and Duclair so I mean look these guys are I think that's going to be the big the and I, th- I also think that the Panthers struggle against Columbus because they're such a good defensive team. Um, so that's the answer to the first question. I texted you about this this morning and I, my, and I said, well, that didn't make the Panthers playoff chances any easier. I think it is a tough, it is a tough division. Uh, I think you've got, I mean, look, Chicago's fun to play against, but Chicago's not where they were years ago. Um, doesn't even know where they are right now. And same, same with Detroit. Um, but Nashville is always going to be Nashville is always going to be fun and tough. Tampa is always going to be Tampa. Uh, and then there's the Dallas stars and the Carolina hurricanes, which, you know, it will be cool to see, to see Trocek. It just, it breaks my heart a little bit to see him in a different Jersey all the time. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that this is, I think it's interesting what they did. Um I don't love what they did with all the Canadian teams, but I get it. Um, but it, it certainly doesn't make the Panthers look the Panthers. You just got to win. It doesn't matter who's in your division. You just have to win. Exactly. But it does not make playoff chances easier. That is for sure. It's interesting. There's not going to be any wild cards the way, the way that they're shaking it out. It's just the top four in each division make it. So it's not like, you know, like we were discussing earlier, um, it's going to be tough because there's some good teams in there, but at the end of the day, you need to be a good team. That's kind of the point. The Panthers aren't being built so they can go out and beat up on crappy teams. They're being built so they can compete for a Stanley cup. That's the point. So, you know, getting worried about the, the divisional opponents, it's like, it's silly to a certain extent. Cause like if the Panthers are good, it shouldn't matter. And that's the right. goal. The goal is to be good. And I think that's a good note to, uh, to wrap the podcast up on Panthers go out and be good and everything else will fall into place. It's just like win. A fortune just win and it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, matter who's, it doesn't matter who's in your division. If you That's just... why you got a Radko Dudas and you start changing that culture because you're not worried about who you're playing against. Everybody who you're playing against is worried about playing you now. I don't want to go play Florida because I'm going to get Radko Dudas' gloves in my mouth and I'm going to get Patrick Hornquist stick in my gut. And that's that's what it should be like. And, you know, for the goaltender, and I actually, I spoke to Chris Dreeder uh, on the podcast not long ago and I asked him, like, you've got to be excited about these signings because as a goalie, it helps you. Like you've got to be happy with the move. You're seeing, you know, bolster in the defensive zone. And he was like, right. yeah, of course. How could you not? So, so it's exciting. So Ian, I want to thank you for, for joining me on the, uh, on the podcast. Once again, uh, please tell the people, how do they find you? How do they read your work? Obviously you're on local 10, but where else can they find you? Of course, always happy to join. Thank you for having me. You can find me on all social media uh, at Ian Margold WPLG. Uh, on Twitter, I have a second Twitter because that's my work Twitter. I also have at Ian Margle on Twitter. 
and uh, I use both for Panther stuff. Most of the time, it's not intentional. I just tweet and then realize I sent it from one or the other. So that's why I say both. Uh, but yeah, you can find me there. Super easy. Addy and Margle WPLG, WPLG on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then on Twitter, I'm also at Ian Margle. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We're going to definitely do this more. I think before the season, we got to get back on and talk about maybe make our own lines and uh, see how everything shakes out that way. Because we're getting into that earlier. And I, uh, I was real. my brain was kind of going off in a bunch of different directions. So sure. that's, save that for the next one. But uh, thank you to Ian for joining and thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, once again, this has been episode 29 of Chirping the Cats. If you liked what you hear, please rate the show well, subscribe. Uh, let me know on Twitter at David Dwork what you think, please. I'd love to hear back from you. You can find me there. You can find all my Panthers work on local10.com. So be sure to check that out as well or download the app. So again, episode 29 of Chirping the Cats. Thanks so much for joining. Hockey season's coming up soon, and we can't wait. Everybody be safe. Please wear your mask, take care of each other, and uh, have a great holiday.